Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. So my message today is the first message in a four-week series that we're doing that Maddie Sen created called Shifting Atmospheres. Shifting Atmospheres. And today's topic is the believer's authority. And I've titled my message this morning, Get the Hell Off Each Other. Get the Hell Off Each Other. Okay, so why do we need authority? What's the big deal about believers' authority? Why would we need to shift an atmosphere? Well, believe it or not, church, you were born into a war. You didn't choose it. You were born into it. It's light against darkness. It's Satan, the accuser of the brethren against God, our Most High. Now, we need to know and understand that Satan is nowhere near equal to God. He is on no path of similarity to him whatsoever. God is the name above every other name. God is the creator and Satan is just a created being. But we know, well, most of us would know from reading the book of Genesis that when Adam and Eve ate the apple from the tree, that God asked them, you not to eat. He said, you can have any other apple you like. Just don't eat the fruit from that tree. Well, they ate the fruit from that tree. And effectively what they did is they took the power and the authority that God gave them when he said, I'm giving you power and authority. Go and subdue the earth. Go multiply, be fruitful, multiply and subdue the earth. I'm giving you power and authority over the earth. I created it, but I'm giving you the power and authority over it. Effectively what happened is The power that God gave to Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply and subdue the earth, they handed it over to the devil right then and there when they disobeyed God. They gave him the power and authority. So he walked around with the power and authority until the day Jesus Christ went to the cross and resurrected. The Bible says Jesus went down into hell. He took all power and all authority back. And guess what he did? He gave it back to us. So now we sit in the place of holding the power and the authority on the earth again. Jesus balanced the power legally through his own death, through his own blood. Now we live between the advents. Advents means coming of Jesus. He's come once. He is coming again. We live in this era of grace. And the book of Revelation tells us that there will come a time when Jesus returns and he will deal with the enemy forevermore. The Bible says he will be thrown into the lake of fire and he will cease to exist. And that will be a good day. Amen? Amen. We will not have an enemy prowling around on that day. But for now, 1 John verse 5 Chapter 5, verse 19 says, We know that we are children of God, and that the, but the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So though we have the power and the authority, this is my apple, that's what this represents today, power and authority. The world is still under some kind of control of the enemy, and we're going to unpack that today. Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, 
Chapter 5, verse 8 says this to the body of believers. He says this, be alert. Are we alert this morning? Be sober-minded. Are you sober-minded this morning? Satan still prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he still has a self-imposed, he's given himself an assignment, which is in John 10.10, which is to kill, to rob and destroy. Now that whole verse says that Satan has come to kill, rob, destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and life in abundance. They are in direct contradiction. It's still so interesting to me how many Christians attribute the devil's work to God. It's quite clear, Satan's work, his job, kill, rob, destroy. Jesus' work, life and life in abundance. And neither the twain shall meet. Satan has no power of his own. He did when we gave it to him in the garden. Jesus took it back, graciously and kindly handed it back to us. He'd take, take it back. And now Satan is devoid of power. But he does have power. How does that power work? How does he get his power? I can tell you how he gets his power. The only way that he can have power on the earth is when we give it to him. When we cooperate with him. He is looking for people to partner with, people who will cooperate with him so that he can enact hell's agenda through them. For Christians... This looks like keeping you blinded to the authority that God has given you, to keep you ineffective with the authority God has given you. Because if you're blinded to the authority or you're ineffective to the authority, then you're not aware of his schemes. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware, unaware of his schemes. In other words, Paul's saying, I've forgiven because I know that if I don't forgive, Satan can use that to outwit me and I can partner with him in my offence. He says, we're not unaware of his schemes, but I actually think that we are a bit unaware of the enemy's schemes. I think we're not sober. Minded. I think there are times we're not alert to how he operates in our lives. And so we're very willing to hand over the power because we're not aware. There are many schemes of the enemy, varied, wonderful, unique, uniquely tailor-made for each of us, by the way. He knows our weaknesses and he knows our flaws and he will go after them. Uh, Here's a few, condemnation. I often have people come sit in my office and say, I just feel bad. I just feel bad, like I'm not winning at life. I can't quite put my finger on why. Well, it's condemnation. It's the enemy telling you that you've got to work harder, try harder to, to win over God's favour, that you're a failure, that you're not worthy. That's condemnation. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those now who are in Christ. Fear. We talked a lot about fear last week. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go listen. Distraction. 
If the enemy can't blind you, if he can't make you ineffective, he's certainly going to try and distract you from what your purpose is. The battlefield is in our minds. This is primarily where the enemy will try and come to get you to cooperate with him so that he can have your power, your delegated power. For people who are far from God, people who don't know God, Satan's tactics are similar. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said that Satan has, my un, sorry, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan blinds people who are far from God, lures them into sin. Sin creates an open door that allows more of hell's agenda to flow into an individual's life. What he does with that one, he tries to do with the person next to him so that more and more he can occupy a territory or a region and create hell's agenda in an area and it becomes a stronghold. Are you with me? There are many cesspools of evil on the earth today where Satan has gained a foothold. I once heard Bill Johnson preach around this topic, it was a while ago, and he was teaching out of Mark 4 and 5 the story about the man with the legion of demons. Do you remember that story? He's got thousands of demons within him. And one day Jesus just says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake doesn't explain the purpose or the reason. They're just going over. So they all jump in the boat. While they're on their way over, the Bible says a furious squall came upon them and nearly swamped them. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And this is the point where the disciples wake Jesus up and say, help, don't you know what's going on? We're going to drown, Jesus. Jesus stands up, rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves, sits in the boat. They cruise to the other side. Who's waiting for them? on the shore. It's this man with a legion of demons. Now the Bible says chains couldn't hold him. He was too strong. They said he, that he would cut himself all day long, um, moan and cry and scream out. Well, he's waiting for them on the shores of the river. And he's saying to Jesus, he's begging Jesus, he's saying, please don't send these demons out of this area. The demons in me, don't send them out of this area. Why? Because they had a stronghold in that area. They were people far from God in that area. They had control over a region of people. Jesus says, no, I'm sending you out. He cast the demons out into pigs. It made the people unhappy. And it says the man came back to himself. Bill's theory, and I really like it, is that when hell operates an agenda through a man or a woman, they can impact spiritual atmospheres over regions. The wind and the waves was actually the enemy saying, don't you come over here and set my people free. Now we know that this is possible, that Satan can control wind and waves, weather patterns, because 2 Thessalonians 2.9 tells us that the devil works miracles and false signs and wonders. 
And we know this because there are other passages in the Bible which talk about this. In uh, Thessalonica, Paul says, I long to come to you, but Satan stopped me. So we know he's about stopping godly people walking into ungodly regions. Are you with me? Do you know his schemes? Because we are called, quite literally, to get the hell off each other and get the heaven into each other. We quite literally have the authority within us to set regions free. The man with the legion, he wanted to follow Jesus. He was like, you set me free. Please let me come with you. Let me follow you. But Jesus said, no, go back and tell your friends and your family how much mercy the Lord had toward you. So this morning, whether your theology or your personal opinion can't accept that there's an enemy, maybe you're living in denial about that. Maybe you just prefer not to think about it because it's too weird and too big and too supernatural and too spiritual and you're just trying to get through today. The reality is, is that there is an enemy and he's after you, he's after your family and he's after the people out there. But here's also the reality that God's given you the power and the authority to do the work that you need to do. So I don't know, maybe you thought you just wanted to become a Christian to be a better person and have a good life. Sorry. That's not the truth. The truth is that you were bought with a price and you were delegated authority, you were delegated power, you were given the title of the ch- a child of God and you were given these things so that you could shift atmospheres on the earth, you were given these things so that people around about you who you love and God loves could encounter the love of God and you've got all the tools that you need to do that. Here's our job description It was Jesus' job description. It's also your job description. It's in Isaiah 61. Guys, can you put it up for me? Because I think we need to get reacquainted with our job description this morning. We're going to read it together, if that's okay, out loud, to remind our spirit our job description. Is that okay? All right, read with me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. A little louder. Because the Lord has anointed me, point to yourself, me, to proclaim good news to the poor. Louder. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for them who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them, louder, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's your job description, church. A couple of things to note about getting the hell off people. Ephesians 6.12 says, We don't wrestle against other people. Our wrestle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Basically, you're not to fight against each other. 
They aren't just being manipulated by hell's agenda. Our fight, our battle is in the heavenly places against powers and principalities, yes? And one more, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, though we exist here on the earth in a fleshly human body, we're not waging war according to our own flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of human origins, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. A stronghold, church, is a castle or a fortress. And it's beginning to sound like last week's message when God sent his people in to the land that he promised them, but it was filled with giants and fortified cities. Do you remember that? It's the same thing. You are called into spaces and places to dispossess the land and take God's kingdom there. Same message, different format. We don't use natural weapons, worldly weapons, hate, guns, violence, rage, ugly words, debate. They're not our weapons. But our weapons are the spiritual weapons that God has given us to destroy the work of the enemy. Interestingly, we are spirit, soul and body. Talks about that oftentimes in the New Testament. Sometimes it'll say we're soul and body or spirit and body. And other times it'll say you are spirit, soul and body. We sit in between realms as human beings. We sit in a worldly, fleshly, natural realm because we exist in that place. But we also sit in a spiritual realm because we have a spirit. And so God is saying, use spirit weapons to destroy the power of the enemy in the spirit. Don't use natural weapons against people. That's not where your battle is at. Are you following with me okay? I know I'm covering deep ground, a lot of ground. Is this all right? He's still postured, ready to receive. Ephesians 6 tells us about the armour of God, and I know that most of us would know it, but in that armour of God, God only gave us two offensive weapons. Here's your weapons of the spirit realm. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. And the shield of faith. Oh, what's just happened to my... Which extinguishes the enemy's flaming arrows. Now, interestingly, these scriptures were written based on the Roman soldiers armor. That's what they were looking at. That's what they were seeing. When Paul's writing these things, he's probably literally looking at a Roman soldier, looking at their armory and drawing some spiritual conclusions. Interestingly, there is no armor on the back of a Roman soldier. That was because you were always meant to keep facing your enemy. You were never meant to turn away from your enemy. You were meant to face him and know what he was up to all the time. We don't flee from temptation. Sorry, we flee from temptation, but we don't flee from the battle. If you are feeling like you're being influenced in an area that's not good for you, that's, that's where you flee from. And then you go and fight the battle in private. That's how that works. Ephesians 6 says, we stand our ground in the battle meaning that we don't ever give up our territory. We don't ever give up our ground. We hold on to our power and authority in the battle. If you can't move forward, then you at least must stand and defend your own territory. That's what that scripture is saying to us. So we're quite literally 
called to get the hell off each other and get the kingdom of heaven into each other. And God has delegated two things for us to do that. Power and authority. Say it. Power and authority. He's given them to us. Two different words for power and authority in the Greek text. The first one, exousia. Exousia is translated authority or power. It's used 108 times. That's a lot of times to use the word authority. Interesting. It means this, an intangible, something you can't feel or sense, positional power through command. It's the right to do something or exercise something because of your status or delegation. Exousia is the knowledge and the boldness of your position with the risen and reigning Christ. Because of who he is, this is who you are. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus, he gives us the same exousia that he has. It says this, I have given you authority, exousia, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. You have that exousia. Jesus gave it to you. You have it right now. You might not feel it. It's intangible. But you have a positional authority given to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Authority says that you have the right to command things that Jesus commanded. The right to. The authority to. You have more authority over the things that you own. Interestingly, in the book of 2 Corinthians 10.13, It says that God himself gave us a sphere of service. He assigned to us a sphere of service. Those things that he's assigned to you, you have more authority over. Let me give you some examples. Your money and your children. Um, Yui shared recently about last year. He was sharing about words of the year, weren't you? And you said, my word last year was trust. What's your word this year? Uh, Walk Walk on. Last year was trust and he shared a story about a season in the middle of the year where um, the business started flatlining a little bit. It was going down, 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 down. You were saying he was getting concerned about that. He was worried. Um, And so one night he said, come on, let's pray together. Christy, get me a word from God. We need need God's help here. I said, okay, fine. Let's sit down and pray. So we sit down and we start praying about our finances. And I have this vision. And in this vision, um, there's dolphins. And the dolphins is gently and calmly swimming along. But in the vision, they're looking for new places to eat from. And I said to you, okay, I think what God's saying is that you're not to stress. You're not to be worried. You're to be calm, but you're to look for new locations to, to, to feed from. You need to look for new vet hospitals to partner with. So we went on a bit of a journey of partnering, going out, finding some new vet hospitals who weren't yet in his sphere of influence and beginning to partner with him. And lo and behold, after a little while, the finances increased again. So you have an authority to pray over your finances, to get heaven's strategy and take hell off your finances. Children. 
Well, I can't tell you the number of times that you and I have got on our knees over our children and warred over them when their lives weren't going the way we wanted them to go. I can't say much about that because some of my children are in the room. But you have a delegated authority from God to get on your knees and speak hell off your children and heaven in. You have that authority. Don't panic. Don't go all like, oh my gosh, don't go to a psychologist or a counsellor before you consult God. Get on your knees in prayer and declare over your children that they will walk God's ways, that salvation is for me and my household, and this is the way we will go. Haven't we done that time and time again? Authority. You've been given positional authority. You've been given the right to command things that Jesus has commanded. Say, I've got it. Here's something else you've got. Power. Power. In the Greek, the word is dunamis, translated force. This word is used 118 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of times to use the word power. Yes, this is not one or two times. This is 118 times. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite or dynamic from. Now, this is a tangible demonstration of power. Where authority is intangible, power is tangible. It can be physically felt at times and it is inherent power and ability. However, you don't get this the same way you get authority. You get power through the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus tells his disciples, you're going to receive power, you're going to receive dunamis, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you will be powerful to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Your power is going to make a way for you to get the hell off people in those regions and get the heaven in. Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Come on, wake up. Wake up. The spirit of God lives in you. The power of God lives in you. Dunamis power. You have the ability, church, to be powerful. Jesus said, I've given you, he called the 12 together, and he said, I've given you power. I've given you dunamis and authority, exousia to drive out demons and to cure diseases. Literally get the hell off people and get the heaven in. Are you catching it? Catch it. Sickness is not a good thing. Jesus spent a lot of time praying for people to get sickness off them. Don't confuse this. Why would he spend so much time getting sickness off people if it was something he was using? Sickness is an agenda from hell. I'm sorry if that's confrontational, but we need to stand in the power that Jesus has given us and say, no to sickness, no to disease. How do we get more power? We yield more to the Holy Spirit. We let him have more of us. John the Baptist said it. He said, I've got to decrease 
And Jesus, you've got to increase in me. If you want more power, you've got to yield a bit more. You've got to give up more of you and take on more of him. And we will walk in more power. We are actually equipped with so much power, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, dunamis, and the full authority, exousia from Jesus, which came from the Father to him. And this is perhaps why Satan works overtime to disarm us, getting us falling into traps of offence, unforgiveness, distraction, believing lies about ourselves, about our church, about others, about the world. It's probably why he spends so much time trying to condemn us, trying to guilt us out, shame us out, feel like we're failures in God. Even having denial, doubts about the God authority and the God ability that he's given us. Church, if we knew the extent, if we had a revelation of the exousia and the dunamis we've been given, we would be unstoppable. We would literally be unstoppable. The kind of prayers that we would pray would be very different and the things that we prayed about would probably be very different if we could have a grasp of what Jesus has given to us. Come on. I'm out of time. Worship team, do you want to come back up? Really quickly, you can't just have power and authority over anything and everything. It's not full permission to have whatever you want. It has a playbook. There are rules. The first thing is that it's got to be out of love. The greatest commandment is to love God and love others. It says in Corinthians when it's talking about the spiritual gifts, if you don't love people, you're nothing. You gain nothing. It even goes as far as to say you could prophesy, you could burn your body at the stake, but if you don't do it out of love, it means nothing. So the first thing is that your power and your authority only work when you love, when you love God first and when you love each other. The second thing, the foundation of our authority and power is the Word of God. You can't pray and believe for something beyond the Word of God. That is our final authority. And you must understand the full scope of the Word of God. That's why you need to know what the Word of God says. Not for some weird religious reason, but because it's your weapon. You can't claim prosperity if you don't value generosity. You have to have the full scope. If you ask God, bless my finances, God, but you don't tithe, it doesn't work for you. You have to know the full scope of the Word of God when you're applying the promises. If you're dating someone and you're getting physically intimate with them and at the same time you're praying for God to bless that relationship, it doesn't work. You've got to know the full scope of what the Bible says about the thing that you're claiming and believing. Amen? The third thing, the third rule is that the foundation of your power and authority is that it's God's will. You have to pray and believe and exercise power and authority if it's God's will. 
Even Jesus said, by myself, I can't do anything. I only do what I see the Father doing. If you don't know what the Father is doing, you're too far away from Him. You're too far if you don't know the strategy for your situation. If you've got something going on in your life, if there's a little bit of hell right now trying to come against you, you've got to go to heaven to get the strategy. You've got to go to heaven to get the strategy so that you can exercise your power and your authority. Amen.